Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sports Talk. Brian and TV recording this on March the 3rd, 2021. It is March. I can't even believe that. TB here with me, switching it up a little bit. Usually I bring us uh, to the welcome, the intro, and then I do my opening monologue and bring in TB, uh, which he gives his thoughts analysis on everything else. Well, TB, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to have you do an Mm. opening monologue because you are much more passionate about this (laughs) certain sport, this specific team. Um, and uh, I, I, if I didn't know you personally, I would have thought you had a screw loose about 24 hours ago because you were heated then mm. hell on a brilliant Saturday afternoon because you were, it, I mean, might as well tell Sean Kingston to call 911 because there was a fire burning inside of you because, wow, you were heated, TB. Without further ado, Mr. Tyler Bates, take it away, my friend. Yes. So thank you, Brian. Yeah, we'll get into more stuff here a little bit later, people. But yeah, switch it up tonight. And I asked Brian tonight to let me open up with something that pertains to specifically where him and I are situated at, given our geography of where we live. And I promise that I'll be more composed and not go on a profanity tirade that I did last night in our text message conversations with with you and our buddies from last night. But I want our listeners in for you to think about just for a moment about a team. And this can be any team that you've watched or followed that does well, has a hot streak, gets the city buzzing, gets the city talking, aspirations of playoffs, championships, the whole Nick and Kabuni, whatever that is in the horizon. And then it falters away by a stretch of games in which there's a lack of focus, poor performance, no motivation or desire. I can go on and on. All of us have experienced this, Brian, and myself included, and I'm still going through it now with my team I follow closely in soccer and gives my friends and this guy across from me laughs for days on end, even if he doesn't know what it is that I'm mad about in soccer. But I don't think I'm treading far away, though, Brian, from this thought when I say that the month of March for Boise State men's basketball team has been nothing short of calling it their kryptonite. I like to call it the voodoo that is continuing to haunt this organization. At first in the text messages that you and I talked about, Brian, with you and a couple of our other friends last night, I mentioned that winning games in March had been an issue for this team the last few years since their last appearance in the NCAA tournament in 2015. But then I thought about it a little bit more last night, and then I realized it's not just those recent years. It's been a problem for this squad for much longer. As a matter of fact, it's actually been pretty much, long, pretty much the whole time they've been in the whole Mountain West Conference. Even the last NCAA tournament appearance that they had in 2015 after sharing the regular season title with San Diego State and getting the number one seed in the conference tournament, mind you, this is the only title this men's basketball team has won since being in the Mountain West Conference. They lost in the semifinals. They had to sweat through Selection Sunday just to get in, but then to go play Dayton in Dayton, I'm looking right at you, NCAA, and lost that game. I will give them a pass in 2012 due to their first year in the Mountain West Conference. It was a transitional year. And I give them a pass in 2019 because of injuries and just not a great season overall. But Brian, let me run this by you and for our listeners. In 2013, they lost in the quarterfinals of the conference tournament as a fifth seed. They still made it to the NCAA tournament, their only other appearance in the tournament, and lost to LaSalle in the first four. A small argument can be made for this because this was the last time the Mountain West Conference sent a significant amount 
of schools in a tournament. It was a record five schools that went to the tournament. And this is the last time that they sent that many schools from the conference. In 2014, they lost in the semifinals of the conference tournament as a six seed. And they decided to end the season after not getting a bid for the NIT. Let's fast forward to 2016. They lost in the quarterfinals of the Mountain West tourney as a three seed. And they didn't go to the postseason again after declining a invite to the Vegas 16. And that tournament didn't last very long anyway. 2017, lost in the quarterfinals of the conference tourney as a three seed. Played in the NIT. They beat Utah, but then lost to Illinois in the second round. 2018, lost in the quarterfinals of the conference tournament as a two seed. Played in the NIT, lost to Washington. And then we go to last year, lost in the semifinals of the conference tourney as a fifth seed. Obviously, we know the situation from the outcome from that because no any postseason because of the pandemic. But do you, Brian, and everybody else see a trend here that I'm talking about? Now, I want to be fair. I don't want to take anything away from what Leon Rice has done at this school. Outside of the two seasons in 2012 and in 2019, he has won at least 20 games. And every other season he has been head coach at Boise State. He's had a plethora of players, which I'm not going to get into. That's a big, long list that I know personally being, being indulged and being involved with it while I was in school and even outside of school afterwards. And recently, he became the winningest men's basketball coach in Boise State history. There is no question he has made a huge mark in this program. But his biggest blemish, Brian, not getting the job done when it matters the most, winning in March. I laid it out there. The facts don't lie, Brian. What I have set out in front of everybody here and the listeners this evening shows a very concerning trend. When it matters the most and you need to deliver something for your school, he's fell short in the crunch time. 11 seasons as a head coach, one regular season title is all that he can show for. Yeah, I get it. Two NCAA appearances, but you haven't got back since 2015. Now, with what it was is arguably the best and the most talented team that was to walk through this school, even in the most ridiculous year that we've had, you couldn't ask for a better situation for this team. And very recently, even myself got into it again. All these wins came through for Boise State. All this hype and momentum came up again. And what happens? Three straight losses again. And, as, and it just seems that as if on cue, as soon as March inch is closer, Boise State falters. You're considered one of the better at-large bids for the NCAA tournament a possibility of three to four teams considered to get in from the conference, something that has not been seen in the last eight years. After the Fresno loss last night, gone. Now you got to win the conference tournament. You had a chance to finish first place in the conference and the top seeds in the tournament. After recent losses, now you're probably a four seed playing in the first round with not only on the same side with the potential conference champion, which is probably going to be San Diego State, but you're probably going to have to be pitted up against the team that swept you in the regular season in Nevada. Brian, I have defended Rice for so many years. I just can't do it anymore. The odds are so stacked against him and this team right now, and he sounded so dejected after last night's comments from postgame. I don't know what else to do. If Rice can't deliver a miracle at this point and get this team to the tournament, then maybe it is time for a change of the guard. Anything less than an NCAA tournament appearance was deemed as an absolute failure given to this team that was given by fans this year around. And while the result, and while the resume in the regular season looks awesome, his postseason results are horrendous. You need to be a cutthroat coach when it's time to deliver in clutch situations, and he's just not do, doing that. And I don't know if he has that mentality that you need to deliver when it matters the most. He can prove it to me otherwise next week, but until I see it, there is still going to be a voodoo cloud over this program when it comes to postseason play, and it's not going to change unless perhaps the changing of the guard comes. Was I being a little bit harsh there, Brian? 
Did I miss something out of there, Brian? Possibly, but anything from that that you take from me? Fantastic job. Um, fan- Thank you. Fantastic. Um, you're really learning from from yours truly about monologues. I'm proud of you. Um, a couple of things here. One, I don't, I mean, yes, that was a battle. So that was devastating. That was unacceptable and horrific. However, I mean, for everybody that says there's not a chance an at-large bid happens, I wouldn't say that just yet. According to Joe Lenardi of ESPN, he had the Broncos the first team out, the, literally the very first team. One of their last four teams in was Seton Hall. Seton Hall lost to UConn this evening, so which possibly means Boy State is probably going to sneak into the last four in. Now, does that mean they still have to beat Nevada? Of course they do. Have they beaten Nevada this year? No, they have not. So is it going to be a tough task? Yes. But I don't think it is dire situation as people have been intending. Yes, it was a bad loss, but doesn't mean they are completely 100% out of it. Yes, they're the first out of the first four out. Yes, they're right right above Utah State. So two Mountain West teams in the first four out. But the thing is, look at who's the fourth of the first team out. The fourth team out of the bubble, the Duke Blue Devils. TB, if if you were in that committee right before selection Sunday and you were to tell me that they're going to choose Boise state over Duke, I would tell you to go to a mental hospital ASAP because this <laughs> yeah. is about TV ratings. And if yeah. you want to tell me that they're going to choose Boise state over Duke, you got something wrong inside the brain because they are going to choose Duke. It's probably why Michigan state is going to be in now, obviously is Syracuse in Kentucky more than likely not Syracuse has got a, a lot, uh, a little bit uh, more of a chance than Kentucky does, but Syracuse could uh, sneak in there as well. However, Boise State is not going to get in if Duke beats if Duke beats North Carolina on Saturday night. They got to have a lot of things go their way, and I just don't mm-hmm. see it happening because they're five and six in their last eleven games. I don't know what it is about this team in in the in the coming. February, March era in the past few years, but it's something. And it's, I think it's now psychological now because they have way too much talent to be this dreadful in the upcoming February and March slate of every single year. It's just unacceptable. It is. And to add a caveat and just, I'll tell you worse, adding the injury to Abu Kijab that he suffered mm-hmm. in early in the second half, that just makes things even worse right now. So, I mean, I guess again, the odds are ever so stacked in favor against this team right now. And yeah, absolutely. You think really Boise state fans have got to be realistic. You really think they're going to take a Boise state team. If it's sitting there on the bubble, if Duke or Michigan state are sitting there, absolutely not. They're going to take Duke before Boise state. That's just how it is. So I just, I don't know. And that's where things for me right now is yeah, things have got to work for Boise state. (laughs) People have got to continue to lose and quite frankly, though, we really didn't have to be in this situation, though, Brian. If they could have finished the job, if they would have at least split with San Diego State and not dropped games where they shouldn't have dropped, like the likes of Fresno State. Yeah, I saw the arguments out there saying that this game probably shouldn't have play, been played. But I, I counter that, though, with what if this game would have mattered between second place and third place? What if this would have mattered between a conference regular season championship deciding factor? Would then would you tell me that then you don't need to play this game? I just don't get that argument there. The games have got to be played. Games have got to be made up. And certainly, honestly, I think given the losses that Boise State had over the weekend, 
they probably needed this win to at least bolster and at least give them some padding to at least finish third place, if not second place. Looking at CBS Sports now, and they have Boise at the first four in, and the last four in North Carolina is in. If you're telling me you're, they're picking North Carolina over Boise State, I say, damn right they are, because once again, this is about the entertainment factor. This is about the TV viewers and the TV ratings, and they're going to choose the big names, the big dogs, over the small uh, Cinderella stories. I mean, no offense mm-hmm. to you got the likes of Sister Jean, but this year is not the year for Cinderella stories, according to March Madness. They want to make as much money as they can because of what happened last year. No such yeah. tournament. They could make, I think, about $6 billion if I've read something uh, something among there. Uh, don't quote me on that, but somewhere around that they could make if everything goes to plan and all of the games are played in Indianapolis and are completed. With that being said, TB, it's going to be a very, very stressful time for Leon Rice. Where does the future hold for him? I don't know. But with that being said, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens next week in Vegas. I mean, looking at the matchups, looks like Boise State will face off against uh, Nevada, and we saw how fantastic that was on Super Bowl Sunday in which they just got demolished there. They lost both <laughs> the games. So, I mean, it, the, it, the future is, does not look as well as it did, let's say, two weeks ago. I mean, something like that. Um, sure, they, yeah. they battled with SDSU, but still they came out with a loss when they could have had at least one if not both games, TB. I mean, there's so many missed opportunities on this season. There has been. I guess the only caveat that maybe can come from this, though, as far as the stakes against Nevada, if that is who they end up playing, is Nevada has not been able to play for the last week, almost two weeks now. And I look at their schedule itself. There were, they were due to play uh, San, or not San Diego State, uh, San Jose State tonight, and that game got canceled. I don't know if that's on the side of, of San Jose State or if that was on the side of Nevada. But as I look right now, look through the standings itself, yeah, right now it's Boise State and Nevada. I mean, I just can't see anywhere where the Aggies, where Utah State's going to drop two more games and Boise State could slip in on that three-seat side of things. So it looks like for Boise State, the road's going to have to go through San Diego State again one way or another if you want to get to that conference championship. Are they going to be up for it? Well, they damn well better be if they want to get to if they want to make sure that they get a solidified position in the tournament because I just don't think they can rely on the bubble this year. TB, they had a chance to control their own destiny, and for people that said why should they have played this game, Colorado State was in the same boat. They're playing New Mexico right now, and they're up by eighteen. They, they they're controlling their own destiny, and Colorado State is doing what they had to do. And I mean, so everybody that's saying blaming the Mountain West, it's uncalled for. I mean. They want TV money, they want TV revenue, and they should play as many games as they could. I mean, it's, it's just stupid to speculate otherwise, TB. But um, we'll have to see and wait what happens. That is the last the last game of the regular season. Next up will be the conference tournament, TB, so I'm intrigued to see that. Um, mm-hmm. But a couple more things on the March Madness NCAA tournament thing. A couple um, – just interesting nuggets surrounding this bracketology. It does look like it is a two-horse race, Gonzaga and Baylor, Michigan falters. But there is one team, TB, that you need to keep an eye on because, mm. wow. I mean, I know they lost their star player to a broken nose, but there is something brewing in Champaign, Illinois, TB. I mean, Illinois and the Fighting Illini – there's there's something special I think going on with this group. Nineteen and six overall. They have a star uh, 
that did get injured, yes, but he should be back. And Ayo Dasamu, 21 points a game. Kofi Cockburn is an absolute beast in the low post. I really, really enjoy watching this team, and I think they could make some noise in this NCAA tournament, TB. Oh, absolutely. It's been quite a while since we've heard the fighting in the Illini being up at the top. It used to be in the late 90s, early 2000s from in that time frame, the last time these guys were good. So, absolutely, I like what they have. Another Big Ten team, though, that I would say be on the lookout for, and that's going to be the Iowa Hawkeyes. Their big guy underneath is an amazing big guy, and I like how Iowa places just a lot of physicality. Some of the things that everybody looks at for Gonzaga, yes, they look absolutely unbeatable, but the more that Gonzaga continues to win, the more the pressure is going to be then because if they walk into that NCAA tournament undefeated, and I'm not saying go lose a game so the pressure's off or anything, but for Gonzaga's case, the more you keep winning, the more that target gets on you, and especially when you get to the tournament, because if you have no losses, there's no room for any screw-ups anywhere. I give, yeah, Michigan got handled by Illinois. Absolutely. I'm sure they're going to scrape that off and say, well, great, good, good win for Illinois. We move on to the next page. Next page. Everybody, even me, even as a Jayhawk supporter myself, I looked at the Baylor win and said, well, Baylor hadn't played in two and a half weeks, so they were a little bit rusty because they turned it around and beat West Virginia in overtime last night. Another team that could make some noise in the NCAA tournament. Coach Bobby Huggins always has a great team assembled in West Virginia, so be very careful with them. So there's a lot of good teams, though, Brian, in this field, so I would be careful with them. I'd be careful with even the likes of Ohio State and don't forget the Wildcats, Mr. J. Wright and the Wildcats of Illinois, because they know how to win when it comes time to win in March. That's very true. And, and back to what you're saying about Iowa, Luke Garza is, I don't, I don't think that there's, we've had a season where it's been such a clear front runner for the MVP race. Hmm. Luke Garza is going to be it. I mean, he's averaging 25 points a game with nine boards and it's absolutely incredible. Um, the guy is an absolute stud and he's single-handedly keeping the Iowa Hawkeyes as a number two seed because of his performance is absolutely incredible to watch. Mm. Um, TB, with that being said, final thoughts on Mark Madness before we hand conference things. Well, as far as the turn, as far as it goes in the college basketball and the landscape of things, like you said, I mean, we're pretty much getting into the conference tournaments are actually going to be probably starting. They've already started this week for some they'll start next week. And for the other, there is an NCAA tournament going to be happening, folks. It's pretty much going to be all in the Indianapolis area. So that's something to look forward to. There's even a 16-team NIT field. I don't really hoping for certain teams to get in there. But I, I, in retrospect, it's looking a lot more brighter to look for the month of March than what it did last year, Brian. And I'm just excited to have March Madness in some form of way back here this year. And for those uh, that are used to the Tuesday, Wednesday, first four games, the schedule is different this year. All four first four games will be on the Thursday, and then the round of 64 games will be on Friday and Saturday with the round of uh, the round of 32 will be on Sunday and Monday. So we will have Monday afternoon games for the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a little bit weird, but we will for the NCAA tournament during the pandemic. That's just what it is in 2021. But then again, I, I'm just glad we're getting a, a, a tournament. So I'm not going to yeah. complain whatsoever, TB. With that being said, let's dive in to the professional ranks of the NBA before we dive into the NFL, before we, as well as NASCAR. 
Um, let's dive into the National Basketball Association because the first half of the season got two more days, including today, um, until the first half is over. Your initial thoughts on everything. You got the Sixers, the Nets, and the are in the East. And then you have a very, very surprising Western Conference. Preferably, or uh, I should say, predictably, um, we have the Clippers and Lakers, but they're three and four because you got two teams up at the Western Conference that one of them we expected to be good. We didn't expect this other team because I don't know what voodoo magic Chris Paul has injected into the life of the Phoenix Suns, but they are first in the Pacific, and they are 23-11, and 11, and they are rolling in all cylinders. TB, what are your thoughts on just the NBA overall? And then how about the two surprises with the Jazz and the Phoenix Suns in the West? No, overall, I mean, it's kind of playing into the words. I, I guess I should probably apologize to Nets fans a little bit because I didn't think it was really going to work out all that great, given the three people that they have on offense. I don't really see them playing as much defense, but – Brooklyn's kind of figured things out. Um, it's surprising to see the Celtics struggle as they as they are. And as much as we're struggling, we're still sitting at the fourth seed in the East. I mean, I guess another surprise to me is the Knicks are actually somewhat decent at 500 right now. They're actually sitting there in playoff position for itself. But you already alluded to it. Yeah, I don't think the two big stories have to come from the Western Conference. Not as huge of a surprise. I think if there's any surprise about it with the Utah Jazz, it's just how efficient they've been on these stretches and on this run. Now, yeah, they've ended up losing a few games here and there since then. But I'll tell you what, I mean, top five offense, top five defense. These guys know how to shoot. Spider, the spider himself is going nuts. The front with Frenchman and company. And, and I'm, if you don't know these nicknames, I'm talking about Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But I think that just the combination mix of that, the combination mix of veteran leadership with Ingles coming off the bench and even with Mike Conley being there for the Utah Jazz, I just – I love what they're seeing. Like I said, if the Jazz win the NBA title, our, our good friend Mr. Michael Prater might be streaking down the streets of Boise <laughs> – Come sometime in June or July, whenever the NBA Finals happen. But gosh, I, it's just amazing to see what the Phoenix Suns have done. They've, they're going right off of what they did in the bubble, an eight-no record in the bubble, and they've just taken things and turned it up a notch. Devin Booker turning things up. The the presence. It's just kind of a resurgence to me of Chris Paul, just the perfect veteran that you would want to lead this youth of a team. And I and mind you, this is a very very young team outside of Chris Paul. And I love what they're just doing. I mean, last in last night's win over the Lakers, I've proven to say that they're not going to go anywhere. They're going, they want this division just as much as the Clippers and the Lakers do. They're going to be a force in the West. I'm, I'm intrigued to see, I mean, first and foremost, back to your Nets thing. I, I, I'm not sold on them yet because how many games have we truly seen all three stars on the same court at the same time. I mean, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's Harden, whether it's KD with with COVID uh, protocols or with his hamstring. I mean, we really haven't seen all three. We've seen Kyrie and KD. We've seen Harden and, and KD. We've seen Harden and Durant. We haven't seen all three at the same time. So I'm going to back off on that for right now. With the Jazz, I'm, I'm very, very impressed. And you add a guy like Jordan Clarkson in from the trade deadline last year. He's for them right now. They started their East Coast road trip uh, against Philly, or they're continuing 
yesterday against Philly and Embiid, uh, Joel Embiid hits a big three with under 10 seconds left to tie the game and go into overtime. So they're battling it out in Philadelphia right now. But with Philly, all the talk with Ben Simmons, and now that's gone since Harden's in Brooklyn now. It looks like they're just playing their their brand of basketball. But the thing is, can they get over that hump that has been so um, terrorizing? Will Doc Rivers uh, implement that change? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But it looks like it's going to be a three-horse race in the East. In the Western Conference, it looks fun. Phoenix is a to watch league pass is always on fire with them and it's fun to watch with them lakers are gonna lakers the clippers are gonna be the clippers utah jazz are fun to watch i mean i'm, I'm watching them right now and there's they're just a great old school basketball team uh, ak they love to pass the ball and pass the rock and that's what's gonna happen with my boys with golden state it's been a little bit tricky we've had games that are just been frustrating with with Draymond Green getting injected just it's, it's been frustrating but then there's some games that are that he's just so excellent it's just it's so so frustrating right now they're mm-hmm. fourth in the west and but they they got Portland coming up they got Phoenix tomorrow and then they got uh, Lakers Clippers and Portland to start out the second half of the season after the road trip uh for after the all-star break I should say uh coming up this upcoming weekend TB, with that being said, um, little disappointments in the NBA before we, we finish it out. Um, a cu- couple, one, couple of them for me. I'm diving in here. I mean, I, I expected Minnesota to be bad, but, I mean, they're 7-28, and 28, and this is downright mm. bad. This is downright pitiful. If they are uh, the, if they're in the top three in the NBA draft lottery, that their top three pick remains with the T-Wolves if, it, if it's – four or higher than it goes to the Golden State Warriors. So I need them to do a little bit better than seven and 28. Okay. I need them to win about 14 to 15 more games. Also a little disappointing from what I've seen from the Sacramento Kings. I expected them to be a little bit better. Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox, they're 13 and 21. They're eight games under 500. It's not good whatsoever. Um, Luke Walton's job is definitely in the hot seat right now. I don't know how long he's going to be um, coach of that team if they if they continue that stretch because it is not good whatsoever. Um, and then last but not least, yikes, Washington Wizard fans. I mean, you got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, and I feel for Bradley Beal because that guy is absolutely yeah. balling out of his mind. But, man, oh, man, they are absolutely trash to watch. 13 and 20, and they were just downright pitiful. It is not fun to watch. They did win. They have won, I should say. Disappointments TV, anything you want to add on the disappointment part? I would say just a little bit more of disappointment wise. I mean, I expected a little bit better out of Miami, to be honest with you. I thought the Miami Heat would be a little bit better given I understand given in the finals stretch and with the finals run that they had last year, I thought they had a perfect good enough team out there that at least they'd make a little bit more noise in the East. Now I get it. They're still in the playoff race, but I mean, the Eastern conference is starting to play out what we usually think it is. It's, pretty top top loaded and then the bottom half of the playoff standings you're under 500 and I mean it's not I mean even even as you mentioned there even with as bad as the Wizards are I mean they're only three games out of a spot in the playoff spot in the east right now so I mean I guess in that sense I thought Miami would be a little bit better right now and I have to say though also too I mean the Clippers are dropping games when I don't think they really should be dropping games, to be honest. And I thought the Clippers would try and make a little bit more of a bigger step, especially given the Anthony Davis injury right now. We know that the Lakers need Anthony Davis back whenever that they can get him back. But 
Clippers seem to be amazing when they want to be, but then will just really not look good in some games when in games they shouldn't be having any business of losing. So there's a little bit of disappointment for me for those two teams. If you're just joining us, Sports Talk, Brian TB, talking about the latest in the NBA. TB, let's dive into some NFL because the NFL does not stop even in early March because, man, oh, man, oh, man, the carousel keeps on turning when it comes to quarterbacks. That's right. Carson Wentz, after a dismal 2020, is now the newest member of the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And sometimes they just need a new change of scenery. And after what we have seen from Tom Brady, it got Russell Wilson thinking that he needs some You know what? He'd express displeasure Dan Patrick show saying he doesn't want to get sacked uh, 400 plus times in his career and he wants some help. So if, if Seattle is, is in talks about trading, then, um, then that that's that he doesn't have an opinion on that, but he wants opinion on free agent signing. If that is not the case, well, that got everybody talking. And then his agent decided to reveal to Adam Schefter that he's got four teams that he would be willing to reveal his no trade clause or willing to waive his no trade clause to. That would be the Chicago bears, the Dallas Cowboys, the new Orleans saints and the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, all four of those teams do have quarterbacks, maybe something. And we, we don't know between James Winston, Taysom Hill, and potentially Drew Brees. That being said, Las Vegas has got Derek Carr. You got Chicago with, mm, I don't know yet. Um, yeah. Besides that with... Uh, Mr. Nick Foles himself? Oh, yes. Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles. I don't know. Then you got Dak. I don't know what happened that got this sinuous tenureship so... Uh, just just devastated between Russ and the front office, but it was very quickly and very fast. I didn't think – did anyone see this coming? Nobody saw this coming. Nobody – none of us saw this. A lot of us on our quarterback carousel didn't even think of knowing that Russell Wilson was this unhappy at Seattle. One interview into the public media, and all of a sudden – a lot of the onion peel just comes loose more and more, and we find out, oh, he really wasn't that happy at Seattle, with good reason. I get that he's got the weapons and everything offensively-wise, but he's got nobody to protect him, and he never has gotten anybody to protect him. Now, is it his own fault? Probably just a little bit, given the money that he's making at Seattle. That is not affording him a proper offensive line, but digressing through. I didn't really under I didn't realize that there was a lot of turmoil relationship between him and Pete Carroll with this. I didn't realize that me both. He, well, he didn't think that there'd be a lot of this uh, undermining of wanting to go to aspirations for different cities where he sees himself as potentially maybe a little bit more better profitable, a little bit more better protected, a little bit more secure. So the idea though that he's unhappy now has generated however many calls from multiple, multiple, multiple NFL teams trying to inquire, which Seattle obviously is going to keep turning them down time to time. But at some point, I have to think, are we really going to get to this point, though, where our Russell Wilson really isn't going to be in a Seattle jersey? To me, I still can't think that he would leave Seattle at this particular point. But then again, we're not. I can't. I can't rule it out either, though, Brian. Because there's going to be teams that need quarterbacks, and you can be damn sure that they back the bus up 
they back the draft look, pick loads up. If it means anything, if they know that they have anything of a sniff or a shot at getting Russell Wilson. According to Ian Rappaport, TB, at least 10 teams have inquired about him, and I can almost promise you the New York football Jets have been one of them. Before we talk more Jet stuff, because we definitely have, because Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, the new head coach, uh, spoke with the media today. So we will talk about that. One more thing, another big name already gone, that would be a teammate, or now I should say former teammate of Deshaun Watson, another disgruntled quarterback. That would be J.J. Watt, who we all thought, oh, he could be going home to Green Bay, maybe to Buffalo, maybe to Cleveland. How about even a a little bit of KC flavor, maybe even to Tennessee? He shocked everybody and basically told all the insiders, you guys don't know Beep, as he is taking his talents to the desert and the newest member of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, according to multiple reports, he took less money that was offered to go to Arizona. So basically, he's he's okay with this. TB, is this basically just for the lifestyle? Because in my opinion, you're not going to win a title in the next two years. And I, in my opinion, that's all he's got left because he's even though he's 32 years old, he's a beaten down 32 year old with all the wear and tear he has on his body. Was this just basically a lifestyle change? I think it has to be. I mean, yeah, a little, probably Houston was about similar, the same, just a little going to be a little bit hotter in Arizona, but it has to be a lifestyle change. I, I can't think for somebody that would take a little bit less money to go to Arizona. If it didn't mean a little better lifestyle, I don't know what the scenery is in Arizona. I'm pretty sure things would work out better for him, but, I think about that, too, again. Winning potential. I'm not so certain Arizona's going to be winning something here very soon in the next year or two, given the division that Arizona's in and battling with. The Rams just acquired Stafford at quarterback. That's already putting a lot of the pundits as the Rams being the third best team to bet for to win the Super Bowl outside of the Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs next season. You've got the 49ers coming back. A lot of injury-prone people last season. You can be very certain the 49ers are going to be coming back a lot stronger. They finished 7-9 and nine with the depleted roster that they had. 49ers are not going to be going anywhere. As long as Russell Wilson's in Seattle, Seattle's always going to be a threat in the NFC West. If anything, this just makes a bunch of def- the, all the defenses in the NFC West fear each other. Or, well, I say offenses fearing defenses because with what Arizona can bring as far as pass rushers, with as far as the Rams can bring – and with what the 49ers will get back from injuries from defensively wise, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of defensive battles in these division games next season. TV, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hesitate on saying this. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson trade. Just, you never know. You never know. I'm just saying we've seen Arizona and Houston they tra- have have do trades with each other again and again. You never know. Oh man, I I didn't even think of that for a second. Mm-hmm. And now you brought that across me. Oh, Brian, that is so tempting right that now. That is juicy. That is very saucy. I'm just saying mm. it could happen. Uh, obviously, it's probably not going to happen, but that is very very spicy. And reuniting mm. Hopkins with Watt with Watson. Yeah, pat yourself on the back for that one. That's a good take. That's a hot take. That there. is a scorching hot take. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying just just to think about it. Um mm. uh, now Houston is is relentless on not sending 
Watson anywhere, but Watson is, is, is set on not playing if he doesn't get traded. <laughs> so they're in a, a irresistible force versus the immovable object. I mean, they're at a stale point with each other. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens there. Last but not least on the, NBA, on the NFL side of things here, Joe Douglas, GM of the New York Jets, spoke with the media with Robert Sala, the new head coach of the New York Football Jets. And he basically said that he is open to, to trade Sam Donald. He's opening offers, and he is uh, downplaying the idea of trading for a star player in AKA a Deshaun Watson. Now, obviously, all of this could be a smoke signal. Um, he said basically he will answer the call if it is made. Um, for me, I think he's still – Sam Darnold is still a good quarterback. I mean, the guy played through mono. The guy played through COVID and had to play in a system where Adam Gase was the head coach. I mean, it's not good when you have Adam Gase as a head coach. So, with that being said, I, I, you would be truly stupid to not um, listen to all offers, which the Houston Texans are not. So, you can kind of see how I feel about them. But according to Adam Sheffner, the Jets have received multiple calls from interested teams. With that being said, would I want Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson? Obviously, I'm going to say Sam Darnold. I mean, let's be honest. If you put Sam Darnold, then you get a couple more weapons. You get a running back or something like that. I think you, you're better off there. If that doesn't work, maybe a year later you draft another quarterback. I, I, I don't know. I think you still give him one more year, whether, whether or not you, you are able to get a Zach Wilson. That being said, are they going to do that? I don't know. I'm not Joe Douglas, and I'm not a scout. That's just what I've seen from the naked eye. So it's, it's up. But Sam Donald's 13 and 25, 45 touchdowns, 39 interceptions. Final year of his four-year, $30 million deal. I mean, he's had, he's had terrible luck. He's had mono. He's had injuries. Um, he's had multiple offensive coordinators, and it's just it's been a struggle. So with that being said, it doesn't look like Sean Watson is going to go uh, become a Jet or Russell Wilson Jr., the third. Sam Darnold, the future, does not look good in New York, but if he does stay, I'll be just fine with that, TB. Yeah. I mean, gosh, your guys' situation, again, I mean, it really could have avoided all this if you guys would have learned to tank properly, number one. Thank you. Let's be honest about this. I mean, I'm not even Mm -hmm. trying to be funny. I'm not even trying to be funny about this. This is literally, if you would have tanked properly, none of this is happening right now to me. But uh, digressing through, I just, yeah, I think for the Jets situation, again, I'm not buying any of this situation or any of the draft pundits or anybody saying that Zach Wilson's going to be drafted number two, because I can tell you right now, I just don't see it again. I'm sorry, BYU fans. I'm sorry. I am not buying. No, you're you're not sorry at all. Just stop this. <laughs> you are not sorry. I am sorry. Finest. I am. I am sorry. No, <laughs> this is no. I am sorry because I don't want to see. Quite frankly, again, I do not see anything in Zach Wilson that Taysom Hill has. Bottom line, don't see anything about that from there. So I don't get that from the side of things. You would do better. The Jets would do better to go draft somebody offensive line or an offensive weapon before drafting a quarterback in this situation. For me, I think the Jets are going to find a way to trade or do something to address the quarterback position before the draft comes up in April. That's my that that would be a bold statement, but I think I'm going to have to stick to it right now. But yeah, I just I think in the Jets' first personnel situation, I think really honestly deep down, I really think that Watson and your new head coach Sala want to get together. But it all takes for Houston to not really sit on the bullet 
and sit on something that they know is not going to play for them and be dumbfounded about the whole thing, the whole situation time. So honestly, it's safer to Houston. You know, your quarterback don't want to play for you. You know, he wants to be traded and there's a relationship between your new head coach and him. Make something happen. Let's just stop being stupid about this. Honestly, it's just, I think, pridefulness at this point, TB. I mean, you got a guy that's not – that doesn't want to be there. He's told his new – the new head coach he doesn't want to be there, and you're still dragging your feet. I mean, it's not a good situation whatsoever. With that being yeah. said, TB, uh, final thoughts on the NFL next week. Uh, apparently, according to one ESPN report, there's going to be a multiple a multiple amount of cuts, uh, NFL players cutting um, veterans – that being said, the overall um, outlook of the NFL before we talk again next week? Well, I mean, we'll see what happens here. I mean, we've got guys going through pro days, combine invites are happening. They're going to have things going here soon. I mean, the draft is coming up here about a month, almost yeah. just a little over a month away from the draft coming up. So Crazy we'll see thing. what happens there. Um, I, I just, again, probably draft boards will be paid attention to a little bit more. I think it's pretty set and obvious. And as far as your top picks go, who's kind of positioning where and when I'm just going to be very curious just to see, will there be any trades or will there be anything done beforehand to kind of move some teams around in order to either a quarterback battle or some sort of offensive or defensive weapon battles. That is something that I will watch for specifically as we move closer to the draft. Basically the draft starts at number two, because we all, we all know who's going number one, whether I like it or not. So it, it seems like the draft will begin with the New York Jets. Do they trade in? Do they trade out of it? We don't know yet. So with that being said, you have to wait and see. TB, last thing mm. before we call it a night, the latest in the NASCAR world, it was uh, three weeks in. It's been Michael McDowell winning the 500, Christopher Bell winning the Daytona Road Course, and you have William Byron winning at Homestead. Three different winners, three surprise winners in three weeks. Unpredictability at its finest. This weekend, the Pennzoil 400 from Vegas. Kevin Harvick will be on the pole. William Byron will be on second. Kyle Larson, Truex, and Michael McDowell. The top five coverage begins on Fox. For all the latest, you can check out frontstretch.com. My boy Adam Cheek and I, we recap the latest in the NASCAR Cup Series every Sunday with our podcast, a Stock Car Scoop podcast. It's a short five-minute podcast that we get in, we get out, we tell you the nitty-gritty and the key information that you need to know if you missed the race. And then every Friday, I preview the Cup Xfinity and Trucks. Once again, frontstretch.com or just search the Front Stretch podcast app and you can you can listen to me as well as our boy Davey Siegel who I joined uh, for a Front Stretch podcast exclusive last night with Adam Cheek. The three of us discussed the Las Vegas preview and the Homestead recap. So once again, frontstretch.com's stock car scoop. Check it out. Subscribe on Apple mm. Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Frontstretch.com. All the latest for you. TB, that was my plug there. What is up with the latest in the world of soccer well in the world of soccer itself right now we've come up to one of my more stressful times of the year the dirt classic with Bayern munich and Borussia dortmund will square off against each other saturday morning at 10 30 this is on espn plus and will be by the sounds of things will be available on abc2 as well so the main abc channel is going to air this game so excited to see that but I can't see it live. I'm going to have to 
uh, record it or watch it later because I'm starting refing on Saturday for youth soccer. That nice. begins my spring season begins a Saturday for me, so I'll have to record this game. But a lot of stuff going from there from the Bundesliga. That'll be one of the top games as far as the EPL standings go itself. EPL Manchester City is still rolling. You have the Manchester Derby coming up with United and City meeting each other this weekend as well. Some of the things that we're watching for itself as well kind of watching some transfer windows. It's sounding like our Norwegian robot from the Borussia Dortmund, Mr. Erling Holland himself, is linked right now to a lot of clubs. It sounds like Manchester City has been offering or preparing the offering in ranges of anywhere from 120 to 150 million euros for just the opportunity to sign Erling Holland to a contract, something that I'm watching because I don't want to see him leave too soon. But a lot of things happening. The United States men's team announced another friend, another friendly matchup. They will play Jamaica on March 25th in Austria. And then they've got one, another game earlier, four days earlier on March 21st or March 20th against Northern Ireland in Belfast. You can be certain to see the likes of Christian Pulisic, Weston McKennie and company be called up for those matches. It'll probably be more European-based soccer, European-based USA players. But hey, if you want to listen to anything about soccer-wise, let me give you another plug to soccer. Soccer Central News Podcast, myself, Mr. Tyler Bates, and my friend Kyle D'Antoni discuss things about all things soccer-wise each week. We go through a preview things, and we also do some specials. We bring in our friend Mason Benson himself. We did just recently last week. We talked about favorite rivalries, favorite derbies. We do weekly things there. So we always record each week. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on the Anchor app. That's where we record and do things. And you can also find episodes posted on the Soccer Central News page, page on Facebook. So you want to look at something there, look for soccer-wise. You can find me. You can find my friend Kyle D'Antoni. So catch up on a little bit more on the world of soccer, Mr. Brian, as I am a little bit more with NASCAR itself. Nice. Yeah, not the most exciting race, but it should be uh, exciting in a couple weeks, like I was talking to TB before. They're going dirt racing at Bristol. They put in a bunch of dirt at the half mile. Uh, they call it the Coliseum in Bristol, Tennessee. So that should be wild, to say the least. TB, final thoughts before we call tonight. Well, as we said there, I mean, it's awesome to see March Madness get into the excitement now. I know people last year, we were <laughs> kind of hit with a bell stone, kind of hit with the broad side of the barn, just didn't expect this to happen. Slowly but surely, we're getting back to the swing of some things in the nation. I promise you guys, we are getting there now. We're starting to see the light at the tunnel. Just continue to keep going at it. Just be happy, though. Just be excited, though, that, yes, we get March Madness. And, hey, We'll watch and see what the second half of the NBA brings itself. And oh yeah, I'm hoping, hoping even with the, with also March Madness at the end of March Madness, the regular run of the Masters is coming up too. So excited to see sports in a little bit more normal normalcy situations that I'm used to, rather than the ridiculousness that was last year of 2020. Although he will not be playing, we send our well wishes out to Tiger. Uh, yes, we do. Devastating uh, car wreck. It was just one of those moments where you'll always remember where you will, where you were when you first got the news. Just very, very scary. I'm just thankful that he is alive, and um, I'm just praying that he'll get to walk again, let alone play again. So fingers crossed there. But uh, even though he won't be playing, um, wishing the best for for uh, for TW, the one of the goats of all time. Uh, that that's mm-hmm. most definitely for sure. But big thanks, TB, for coming on the program at IMTB. Yeah. At the Brian Nolan at sports talk underscore BNTB and then facebook.com slash 
ST with Brian at TB. That is ST with Brian and TB. TB, thank you for everything. I appreciate you, brother. And we'll talk next week, recapping the conference tourneys and getting ready for Selection Sunday. Thank you, brother. It, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. For TB and everybody that supports the program, I am Brian Nolan. Have a spectacular week. Stay healthy, stay safe, continue to social distance. And when you are in public, wear a mask. Take care.